So I asked my client this question one time, what would happen if I gave you 10 new clients right now today, top paying premium clients, you know, not just the little mm-hmm. like peanuts clients. They're the top mm-hmm. level clients, gave you 10 mm-hmm. right now, onboard them. And she said that she would run away. <laughs> so that's the indicator, right? Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. winners in business are those who can distinguish between growing their business and scaling their business. I would be very curious to hear your definition right now, but that's not how this all works. But a lot of you don't think there is a difference. And to those who do may have it little twisted, especially if you run a service-based business. I know I had it extremely twisted for a long time. I thought more was more and that all roads and graphs pointed up once I reached my first million in annual revenue. But service-based businesses don't work that way because they rely on human effort and expertise, neither of which are what we call scalable. So are service-based businesses doomed to low profitability or is there a way for them to successfully scale? That's what we're going to talk about today. And to help me is Veronica Curran, a serialpreneur who sold her tech company in order to teach small business owners the 10-hour workweek. She is also the author of an award-winning anthropology book, Stories of the Elders. She has been named the Forbes Next 1000 Entrepreneur and BEQ's 40 LGBTQ leaders under 40 and has spoken at two TEDx events. Welcome to the show, Veronica. How are you today? I am great. Hi, nice to see you. It's good to see you now. It is late in the evening for you. Not so much mm-hmm. for me. You're uh, in a secret bunker behind <laughs> the walls deep inside Berlin, Germany. Is that correct? I think bunkers here look a little different than what I'm in right now. <laughs> Given the history. Uh, yeah, I'm in Berlin. I am in a tech office with a colleague and friend, and uh, we're wrapping up work. I am here to turn off the lights tonight, basically. We'll know why, if the lights go out, why that happened then. Okay. No, I know. <laughs> Well, we just had some like snow rain something happen outside. So I don't know what it's like where you are, but we haven't had snow until now. Oh, oh whoa. Berlin. I thought Berlin. It, I thought it snowed on a regular in Berlin. Not anymore. Not anymore. Oh my gosh. I, I you know, I just gave everybody the 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 four one one on you. And when I was talking about the fact that you had already sold a business, mm-hmm. and so um, and it was a service based business, right? Yeah. And um, and so I want to dive right in in talking about scaling service centric business. Both of us yeah. um have background in that and we're both very passionate about it and you of course i want to hear all about your 10 hour work week um but first i want to get out of the way the difference between growing Mm -hmm. a service-centric business and scaling a service-based business i think that there are a blend of opinions and facts that come into the answer to this question uh, because I often hear people talk about scaling only from the marketing side and I come at scaling from the ops side. And so when I hear people saying, oh, we're growing, I'm like, great. So like your revenue is going up year over year. Things are looking good. Acquisition is nice, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Scaling for me 
is the very structure of the business. And we're talking about getting the CEO out of the freaking way of the business. Uh, and that's the grease wheels that then mean you can go like this. And if you're not going like this, or if you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose, you probably haven't scaled. Right. No, I totally agree with you there. I think that there's times where I have had people, you know, clients come just like, hey, I'm ready to to take it to the next level. And they're solopreneurs. And I'm like, mm -hmm. so I, I literally had a conversation with this young lady one time where she was like, yeah, I want to do 20, 20 clients. And I'm like, 20 clients. Okay. How many hours a week are you promising to each one of these clients? Yeah. And she said like four. I'm like, you can't do four hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I was like, it came out to like, I think it was like four or five hours per month per client. I said, when, when you do that though, you're going to be taking up 95% of your time because there's only 40 no, hours. Yeah. Of work so where's the business development go? Where's the where's admin? Go? Your invoice. Yeah. yeah. Like none of it. I see that a lot actually. And it's like the Julia Roberts math meme. Like they're just suddenly figuring out that this isn't possible. Here's the thing. It is possible to take on 20 clients. You got to scale to do it. And so yeah. then who's going to be doing the work or how are you streamlining the delivery of the information or the services to them? But in my opinion, you don't have to hire to scale, at least not okay. at first, Perfect. but we got to get you out of the way. So there's got to be some way to deliver the services, which is big fan of AI here. Um, but we gotta, we've got to create the systems and the support so that you can deliver your services, hopefully in your sleep. That's the ideal. Right. No, no, I totally get it. I think that technology is a way to delegate mm -hmm. without hiring. I, I mm -hmm. totally agree with that. I mean, and with AI right now in the marketing world, it's huge, yeah. but operationally, it's been a big deal. Like just a few years ago, I took on Gusto, which does our payroll. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. we used to have platforms to help us onboard, but there was still a lot of button pushing where like now my executive assistant like pushes a button and it, an email goes out. The next thing we know, they're ready to get paid. Right. People are ready yeah. to work and, yeah. and it takes no time, right? right. So, so for five bucks uh, yeah. per person, the, I don't ha we don't have to worry whether or not things got done. And, right. if, and if they don't do the work, you know, obviously they got to fill out their forms and stuff like that. There's still that manual input, but that's not us doing it. We're, right. That's not us tracking them down. It's all automated, right? All that automation is part of that in the marketing world, I'm finding that AI is leveraging our time. And I mm -hmm. think that in the operational world, I think that it's, it's going to get better and better because it's easy to, to do it in the creative sense, right? It's like, here, pull some information, regurgitate it this way, right? And then we yeah. have to op human optimize it, right? Yeah. But it, what are you seeing in AI for the ops world? What, what, what should we be looking for as, as far as that goes? Well, I want to remind people that AI is not new. So when everyone's like, oh my God, ChatGPT, paradigm shift. And I was like, ChatGPT is the first publicly accessible algorithm. Google has been doing this for years. Why do you think you can type a question into Google and get exactly what you're looking for? So like, this isn't new. This has been going on for 20 years. You just have <laughs> access to it in a new way. Um, I'm a really big fan of doing the best you can to connect all your apps. And so, you know, way back in the day, we were just starting out with Zapier and just building our own automations. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of the apps in the ops world are already automated themselves. Uh, depending what industry you're in, there's probably an app that is industry specific to what you're doing and will help you automate at least 
half of the processes that you are working on. And then the mm-hmm. rest of it can be done with something like Zapier. Um, and so I really want to see that automation coming in. And it's, it's, it is AI, but it's, at least with Zapier, it's like a rudimentary API AI right. power. Right. Yeah. I think we're getting way too techy for my listeners here. So let, I want to bring us back to the difference between growing a company and scaling a company, in yeah. your opinion. So really, uh, it does come down to the internal structures of the company itself. So I asked my client this question one time, what would happen if I gave you 10 new clients right now today? top paying premium clients, you know, not just the little like Mm -hmm. peanuts clients. They're the top level Mm -hmm. clients gave you 10 Mm -hmm. right now onboard them. And she said that she would run away. (laughs) So that's the indicator, right? Like that to me, I love that question because it's the checkbox. If you can't say to me, oh yeah, I would just, like you just said, click a few buttons and everything would start. And then we would be able to start getting them what they were paying for. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. So to me, scaling is about getting the CEO first out of the way and then getting the people, if there are people, out of the way as much as possible so that the work can be done without uh, you know, bumping into memories and time and all these other things that make our lives clunky and unreliable. Mm-hmm. Um, right. If you can't use AI or automation, uh, for that, that's okay because there are some things that just can't be done yet by tech. Right. Um, so that's where your <laughs> systems come into play. It should be like dominoes falling when you onboard a new client. That's how that's how uh, well your business should be running. Um, mm-hmm. And in order to scale your ops that way, um, you've got to really get yourself out of the business, get your brain out of the business. So bottling all of the systems that are already up here, right? Mm-hmm. If you've done it once, the system is already built. You just haven't written it down. Get it down. Right. Get it automated as much as possible and then get somebody else involved for the rest of the pieces so that you can exactly. go take a vacation and grow exponentially. So scaling to me, like I said, with that graph, it's all about exponential growth. If I can't grow you exponentially right now, then there's something in the way and we need to scale you. Right, Exactly. I, you know, I tell people, I'm a big fan of the E-Myth, big fan mm-hmm. of Clockwork, E-Myth by G- Michael Gerber, for those yeah. who, who haven't read that one yet, uh, Clockwork by Michael Michalowicz. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of them out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but those are my two favorite. Yeah. And early on in my career, in my entrepreneurial career, um, I used to give E-Myth out to people. I have like, a friend who does that too. And it was because there were people who weren't ready to work with me because they didn't understand how to delegate. So they wanted me to work on their marketing stuff, but they didn't want to delegate it in, in a way that was healthy for both of us. Yeah. Right. It makes no sense for people to hire professionals if they can't get out of the way. And they have that mentality of, well, nobody can do it as good as me. And I actually did a a podcast on 80% is good enough. It's okay. Because when you have two people doing it at 80%, you now have 160%, which is more than you had before. So you're able to grow more than you were able to grow when you were just on your own. So you're always going to have a better experience. Um, I actually had to break up with a client. Um, She wasn't willing 
to release to people. And we, we, mm -hmm. oh my God, we worked on her ops so much. Um, we got everything smoothed out from automations to AI to systems. Mm -hmm. It was all well documented. And mm -hmm. then it wasn't just that she didn't believe that the work could be done as well by somebody else. Mm -hmm. She was actually rather disparaging and she had a bad experience. I get it. But mm -hmm. uh, we just, we circled and circled and circled. And finally mm -hmm. it just came down to the point of you've talked yourself into a solopreneur box and that's fine. Mm -hmm. If you want to stay there, that's fine. Um, and that's what she decided to do. So she fired everybody and she went down to what she could handle herself. And she just mm -hmm. lived within that, uh, financial limitation that this is how much I can take on. So this is how much I will be able to make. And yes, we'll grow with inflation, but that's about it. And that was her happy place. Fine. Yeah. That's a lifestyle business, you know? And I tell right. people, it's like, if you want a lifestyle business, it's great because you know, there are people who like, Hey, I, they do it really well on their own, you know, coaches, mm -hmm. consultants and stuff like that. They, they don't want a lot of people around them, you know, slowing them down, if you will. Right. Um, and, and there was a time where, you know, I closed my creative agency I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this with me and maybe one or two other people, Heck right? Yeah. And some tech tech stuff I don't want to have to do because I just don't like mashing buttons all the time. Um, and then somebody to answer the phones, take care of the clerical stuff because I don't like doing that stuff, you know, and I just really nitpicked like, okay, these are the thing. This is the bare minimum, right? Right. I got into my office and about a week into that, I was like, hell no, this is not <laughs> going to work for me because I'm an entrepreneur. I like yeah. building things bigger yeah. than me, right? And I like people around me because that's me. That's my personality. I'm a social being, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't work well in a vacuum. Like I can, I can go like tuck myself into a corner and write a book in a couple months. Yes. But I know where the end is. I can yeah. see the end of that tunnel. And you still go so I know the that the people are on the other side. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> so exactly. See the light of day. Yeah. yeah right. For sure. <laughs> so when do we want to start looking at the difference between getting everything done? Because more is not more, right? Right. So is there a time in our business cycle, our life cycle that we should be looking at scaling? So I'm going to be contrarian again, and I say starting scaled. We want to scale from day one, in my opinion, okay. because I, I, I didn't. I didn't have any clue as to, I, I didn't even know that I could scale, frankly. Um, you know, I grew up my business in 2012. The internet was still a little bit young. Right. Um, it wasn't the youngest, but at that point, like there. Wait, 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 hold on. Before you go further, I started mine in 2005. You want to talk about a young internet? Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> but I was also in a very conservative city. And so I was the only woman in tech. And um, I had a very hard time finding a mentor. There weren't even coaches in 2012. Like coaching was not hardly an industry back then. And so it just kind of passed me by that, uh, that scaling was possible for me because when I heard about scaling, it was always in reference to startups and I wasn't a startup. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward three years and I was very, very, very burnt out. And I didn't realize mm -hmm. what technology could have been doing for me. I didn't know how to stack my systems so that I could get out. And we you mentioned mm -hmm. the 10 hour work week. Like I didn't know how to do any of that. And I had nobody to show me. Um, finally, mm -hmm. I did find a mentor who was a startup mentor. 
Nice. He was willing to take me on. And that was the breakthrough moment where I said, okay, I'm going to take these principles, the startup scaling toolkit and use it for myself. But so that's why I'm so interested in starting businesses scaled. I want the principles mm -hmm. of scaling. So not necessarily from the marketing side. Remember, there are people who say mm -hmm. scaling is mm -hmm. only marketing. It's not. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. interested in the ops of scaling being incorporated in the business from the get-go so that burnout isn't on the menu. Yeah, I, I love it. Originally, my company was a recording studio mm -hmm. and I was the talent. But in the first day, I had somebody making phone calls for me to get more business. Fabulous. Right? Right. Like there wasn't enough days and I was still working 20 hour work, uh, 20 hour days mm -hmm. at, at that time, you know, but that was, that was the gig, right? The first year of my, my existence as an entrepreneur after the air force was like work. That's all we did. I just, just worked. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have, I, I had just gotten a divorce and I didn't really have anything else except that because didn't have any money to go spend anywhere. So the only thing I could do is work. Right. Yeah. Um, luckily for me, I'm a work. I was, was a workaholic. I'm, I'm actually a recovered workaholic now. So, um, <laughs> there's, there are day, like there's a time, there's some days like four o'clock in the afternoon and it's like, I should be working another two hours, but I'm not, where's the guitar. I'm going to go play there guitar until my wife gets home. Right. So, but with that said, I think that operationally, we can also get bogged down with not getting those SOPs out there, not delegating enough, not mm -hmm. allowing our people to make decisions for themselves, right? Right. right? And so this is leading me to my last question because I'm kind of leading you on this one because I want to hear what you say. What are the first steps mm -hmm. besides the tech side, in the human side? Oh. What are the first steps? I know I'm not going to give you, you that crutch. Show me a curveball because you know my first step is automating the heck out of the business. Mm. I think, yes, I, I get that. But I think that that's one of the things. I mean, we touched on it. It's great. But I think this is the harder question, right? And mm -hmm. I think this is a question that needs to be answered. Yeah. How do, what are the first steps on the human side mm -hmm. of scaling our businesses? Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's about that mindset first. So a lot of us start our businesses and have special snowflake syndrome. We believe that we are the only ones. And I, I, I was this person. I was the only anthropologist in tech that I knew of. I was the only one trained to see my clients the way that I did. How would I ever hire that out? Blah, blah, blah. Enter my developer who, by the way, found me, right? The universe was like, stop with this bullshit. Here's somebody who's better at you so that you can go and backpack Europe for three weeks. But I had to get out of my own way. It's the mental paradigm shift is what changes everything. And I couldn't get my client there. Right. So like mm -hmm. she did not want this mental paradigm shift to begin to rehire. She refused it, even though she verbally said to me, I'm hiring you so that I can. Right. She mm -hmm. just refused. Uh, and so that for me, changing your mind about what is possible for your business and for your life, rather than believing only what you have seen, that is the major shift that needs to happen in order to start scaling. Where is your mindset within your business? Who are you surrounding yourself within your business? And have you made the paradigm shift to a scaling mentality or are you still the bottleneck to your business's 
exponential growth? These are hard questions, and I hope you take the time to dive deep and answer them for yourself. The more of this internal work we do on a regular basis, the better our businesses will be for it. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please be sure to like and subscribe to the show. And until next time, stay buzzworthy.